This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Brock, what did you think of that game? You know what? I thought it was uh, a really good game. i got to give a shout-out to Amanda Proven uh, for scoring, I believe it's five goals, as mentioned on the broadcast. So good for her. What about you? How do you feel that game went? Uh, well, like I mentioned before the broadcast, uh, Ma- Amanda Provan, I thought it would go through her if they were to win the game, and uh, yeah, they certainly did. Um, Team Yellow, they had a bit of bad luck there. They had a couple of goals uh, called back during the game. Um, otherwise, it might have been a little bit closer than it was 3 nothing. What about you, Brett? Amanda Proven, just uh, what a warrior. She got uh, knocked around quite a bit in this game, but she kept coming back and coming back, and it really showed her grit and determination. Uh, she chipped in when when uh, she could. What a warrior. Yeah. And with the Team Yellow as well, the goaltending that they had today, you know, they made the saves when they absolutely had to. Uh, Blaine Ducher as well as uh, Catherine Gauthier. Um, that was quite the tandem today, and they stopped the puck when they needed to. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we, we're, we're talking about uh, the goaltending for Team Yellow, and uh, I, I notice here that they, uh, they're both playing for the Calgary Seeing Ice Dogs. Do you think that has anything to do with their success, the fact that they, they know each other on and off the ice, and uh, they can provide support whenever they can just because they have that, that uh, relationship already? Well, I mean, look at us. If we if we can provide support for each other, so I'm sure, as a hockey team, you know, um, you can obviously provide support for your teammates. So I I think you're you're onto something there. Cam, what about you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, in a tournament like this, I don't think that it matters that much personally, um, because everyone knows one another. So um, you know, even with the team black, they have uh, two goaltenders that are from uh, basically different ends of Canada. So and they were there for one another as well. So in a short tournament like this, I don't really think um, that it matters that much uh, because they're also playing at separate times as well. So uh, you know, I, I just don't think that. It matters that much you know the one thing i gotta say about this uh, development division and um you boys will probably have some thoughts on this every game we watch there seem to be uh, more and more uh, skill being shown off do you guys agree cam oh absolutely um as the games went on it went from like game one where you know they kind of were getting familiar with one another uh the passing just wasn't as crisp and wasn't as tape to tape from game one but then when it came to this game it seemed like that they've been playing together forever and it was tape to tape uh lots of speed and great goaltending uh this morning and seeing that uh, all these uh, individuals are from different parts of uh, north america and uh, the group together uh, just on Friday, a lot of them haven't uh, had an opportunity to play with each other. So the fact that they've come together and, and they've come so far compared to what we saw on Friday, it, it just it's a testament to to uh, their will, their, their determination and how much passion and love they have for this game of blind ice hockey. As we uh, look down on the ice right now, there's uh, pitchers being taken on both sides. Uh, just, I guess commemorating uh, their tournament what does this do guys for two teams that are in the youth and development uh, division they had four games uh, the first one was um exhibition more or less what does this do for the youth and development of this sport cam 
I think it goes a long way to growing the sport. Uh, you see how many people that are here uh, from all across Canada and the United States and also competing um, over the tournament, uh, Nathan Tree from Oxford, UK. I don't know, I don't believe he was uh, competing in this game, but uh, he came all the way over from the UK. So this is a great way to be able to uh, develop the sport and hopefully get uh, more teams from Canada and the U.S. and for abroad, too. And, you know, maybe one day as we were talking uh, pre-game, uh, possibly getting in it into the Paralympics if there's going to be enough uh, countries involved in uh, future years. Do you think this game would be uh, well-supported at the Paralympic level, Brent? I, I think so. I, I mean, we were talking uh, previous to the to this game with Jeff, and uh, we kind of touched on sledge hockey and how far the sledge hockey program has come through USA Hockey and Hockey Canada. And uh, if I can be blunt here for a second, which I always am anyway, um, I think that USA Hockey and Hockey Canada would be absolutely foolish if they didn't even, or the, if they didn't just at least investigate if these programs are worth looking into so they can help move the sport forward uh, to get to a Paralympics. How much of uh, the credit can we give to uh, Jeff Sauer of uh, USA Hockey? Because I'm pretty sure he was pretty instrumental in doing where USA Hockey, from a sledge hockey perspective, is. Well, uh, Jeff Sauer was USA Hockey for as long as he was a member of, or the head coach of USA Hockey uh, for their sledge hockey program. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as most of us know, he passed away shortly before the Paralympic Games due to cancer. And uh, I, I know for a fact that the, the memory of Jeff was the driving force behind USA Hockey's gold medal victory over Canada. Yes, absolutely. Because when you have a, a guy that you're you know you're behind and that can kind of give you the drive to um you know do better because you got a guy that you're also supporting in the back of your mind um do you guys uh expect to see um this next year this uh youth and development group be even better than they were even on to this year cam absolutely it's great that they uh, have this, and I expect probably more teams coming in next year for the uh, youth and uh, low vision and development division. It'd be great to see more players out here and uh, for the sport and for the game to grow. Um, we want to welcome in Mike Rossi uh, to the panel as well. How you doing, Mike? Good, fellas. Good, Ooh, good. There we oh, are. There you go. How are you, there fellas? You are. Good, how are you? Fabulous. Getting ready here for uh, the bronze medal game. Featuring a team red and a team yellow. So the uh, medal round is upon us. The weekend uh, quickly is, uh, is just evaporated. It's amazing to me how three days just blow by. And even more so, as you guys were just talking about, with the, the growth of this game and the, the level at which the competition has improved. Um, it just absolutely blows my mind when I think back to the very first year I came to this tournament and and walked in and, and just wondered, you know, what's what's blind hockey all about? I, I didn't know the game. I didn't know anything about the adaptive rules. I sat down and wondered, why is there a, a buzzer tweeting every few minutes? Um, and then you see a select or an open division game and your mind's blown. And then this year to see the kids out there and 
What's really, really impressive is you've got people playing in the in the low vision development level or in the even in the open uh, division, who at one point in their life maybe thought, you know, I'll never play hockey. And they get the opportunity and they're just so thrilled to be able to play the game. What I love about the kids division is these are kids who are going to grow up never not knowing about hockey Great and point. never facing a yeah. situation where they doubt they ever doubted. It's never been in doubt for them. They're going to play and it's going to be like every other kid who puts on a pair of skates. They'll always have known a time when they played the game. And, and that's going to do so much for growing the game and making it even more competitive and really pushing the powers that be to start getting this included in para sports. And I think, too, like even even from this tournament's perspective, I mean, I know we're going to broadcast the kids game uh, just before the closing ceremony. And that's got to do something for them as well. That's got to be a thrill for them. Am I right, Brent? I, I think so. I, I, I mean, uh I, 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 in my personal experience, I haven't had much uh, uh, time on uh, television for our, our specific sports, sledge hockey. But uh, I know uh, being interviewed uh, uh, for uh, for a sledge hockey thing, even that, uh, that's huge. Like, uh, even as an adult, you, you kind of feel like you're on top of the world. So for for a kid to to uh, to understand that uh, we're going to be covering uh, their event. Uh, I I feel like they, they're probably feeling like they're on top of the world right now. And family and friends can be included as well because if you're from, you know, out west and you can't necessarily get down here, well, you can tune into MI all weekend and, you know, listen to the tournament. Ross, has there been a drastic... You've been here three years. Has there been a drastic difference between year one and year three for you or was it more year two, year three? Like, where was the biggest growth in your opinion? To me, it's just year over year. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I compare year one to year three, yeah, it's huge. But year one to year two, no, there was a bit of a step forward, but now even more so. Um, and it just, it goes with the growth of the game in various communities, right? And I was talking to, uh, um, to a couple of people about it yesterday, and just, it's repetition. So if you're only getting one game a month in your community... You know, the, the, the development gets a little uh, gets a little sputtered. Whereas if you, you've got a weekly game or you get two games a week, and the more you play, the better you get, and the quicker the improvement comes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm finding people saying is that more and more of them are finding more ice and more players in their neck of the woods. So as, where we've had it for years in places like Montreal and Toronto... Now you're seeing the growth in Atlantic Canada and you're seeing the growth in Alberta and in British Columbia and through the United States. So it's all, it's good times. Well, yeah. just from Mike's uh, point earlier in regards to uh, growing the sport and what it means to be able to right from the get-go when you're a small child putting on and not knowing anything different. That's just the way it is. It's like a God-given right to be able to yep. play hockey. Um, from a personal standpoint, that is fantastic as well because you're going to have more confidence. You're going to be able to 
hang out more with your peers and that just does so much for you as a person growing so i think it's great that everyone's able to do it at such a young age and they're not going to know anything different that's the way it should be and and uh things like this the uh Canadian National Blind Hockey Tournament with the support of the CNIB and Accessible Media Incorporated. Uh, you wouldn't have this 10 or 15 years ago because of, well, the mainstream media or uh, the media itself wouldn't have been able to pick it up because they wouldn't know anything about it. No, and even, even uh, five years ago, you probably wouldn't see... Accessible Media Inc. doing, uh, you know, full-day coverage for three days because it's just it, not as many people were aware of it. Rossi, quickly, what do you expect from the bronze medal game coming up here shortly? Well, let me, shortly? Let, before I get to that, Brock, just one more point uh, along the lines of what you guys were just talking about. And last night, the uh, Winnipeg Jets taken on the Maple Leafs, and I ran into Dennis Bayak. And uh, Dennis's nephew... Of course, is playing. Uh, Kiefer Jones is playing in this uh, in this game coming up, and so I asked Dennis, you know, what his impressions were because he'd never been to see a blind hockey game before, and he said he was blown away at at the skill level that was put on display, and uh, and I said, you know what, Dennis, if if you're just walking by this rink and you can't hear what's going on inside, you can't hear the puck. It doesn't seem like a different game at all. No, right? no it doesn't. And and it it just looks like hockey. So if I if you're hearing that from Dennis, who you know, broadcasts the most competitive hockey level in the world, you know if we can get more exposure for for blind hockey, you're gonna you're really gonna bring a lot more people into it, and you know people are gonna discover, people are gonna appreciate it, and and, and Brad, I think you can attest to this. People have really embraced para-ice hockey. You know, there was a time where sledge was just sledge hockey. Yeah, okay, whatever. But people are on board now because they see how competitive it is and they appreciate the sporting value of that sport. Same thing with wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby. They see that it's not... It's not a sport that, that needs pity. It's a sport that has passion. It's a sport that has physicality and excitement. And people embrace that because in the end, you're a sports fan. Why are you a sports fan? You like the passion. You like the heart. You like the drive, the desire, the emotion. And parasports have it. And that's the thing, Mike. 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, parasports were looked upon at least in my opinion, as taboo. And now, in 2018, we have all these avenues and all these opportunities to showcase who we are as disabled athletes. And we're not disabled athletes. We are athletes with a different ability. Yeah. You're playing, you're playing another sport, right? It, it's, I know they call it adaptive sport, and that's fine. But it's still a sport. It's not a game. It's not a pastime. It's a sport. And we had an opportunity to speak to Jeff Ryman off air, and we, we heard about your op- your experience with sledge hockey and how much you enjoyed it in yeah. the days after uh, you tried it. You were complaining about how sore your abs were. <laughs> and Never mind days after, like an hour after. <laughs> and it just it goes to show the community that it is able-bodied that... Uh, persons with disabilities 
can compete at a high level and they work just as hard as an able-bodied athlete to compete in their sport it's all relative in my opinion and at the end of the day no matter what person you are you have the same emotions within yourself while you're competing and that's the competitiveness you want to win and just the enjoyment of it all so that's what it comes down to no matter what ability that you have we're almost set here for uh, our bronze medal game to get going but before we do jeff ryman has a, a ringside interview post game from our low vision development game I'm here ringside with Amanda Provan of the winning black team. Pretty dominant performance out there all throughout the tournament. Uh, what was it like to play with the group of players that you had on your team this weekend? It was great. Uh, one of our players was just starting out. Uh, he, he re I really liked playing with him. He went really, really hard. And everybody played a really good game and got to where they needed to be and just worked really hard in general. And you've been to a couple of previously um, blind hockey tournaments. How does this one compare to any of those in the past? I think it's always a fun time. It's the nationals is the biggest one, so it's you, there's so many people and you just, uh, there's more teams. There's it's just lots of fun. And what's the uh, speaking of fun? What was the best part of this whole tournament for you personally? Personally, uh, I like scoring goals. I mean, <laughs> it's a good time, but I also like to set up other people who haven't scored. It's, uh, it's I'm just as happy to get the assist as the goal. And obviously, you're a fairly young person. Uh, where do you have, uh, what, what progressions do you want to make? What goals do you have in mind for your future in this sport? I'd like to take it all the way. I don't know. Just see where it goes, you know? I just play my best and, yeah. We're nice and casual, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. Here you go, Jeff Ryman, ringside. And uh, we're getting set here for our bronze medal game featuring Team Yellow and uh, Team Red. And Brock, just to follow up on your question, what am I expecting in this one? I really don't know. I mean, other than the goaltending of Joey Cabral, um, I think it's it's pretty much a toss-up. These two teams have been pretty decent. Team Yellow has been a pretty solid defensive team. Team Red's had their struggles where I find they get down early. It sort of takes them out of the game a little bit and they're maybe a little deflated. So can they rebound from that? Can they actually get out here and get out to a quick start? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I would I would say my gut tells me Team Yellow gets the advantage in this one. Well, and I would think for Red, I mean, no time like the present to get your first win of the tournament, you know. Get that bronze medal. They're going to come out hungry, in my opinion, to uh, get this game. Cam, what do you think? Well, I think you got to deal with the three-headed monster on Team Yellow, being uh, Kelly Serbu, Vince Ryan, and Joey Cabral. And that's one forward, one defenseman, and one uh, goaltender. So uh, you've got to be able to shut them down and be able to score on Joey in order to be able to win. Team Red, I think they're definitely going to be uh, fighting hard. Uh, they're going to be fierce to try to get that first win of the tournament because they really want it. And I think on Team Red, you uh, and Dizzy is uh, going to be um, kind of the kettle that uh, stirs the pot. Jeff Ryman has uh, joined us here now, uh, come back from rinkside where he is handling our post-game interviews. Uh, yeah. What are your impressions it, here? Well, I mean, if I could just go back to the previous game, I was uh, in the tunnel waiting for Amanda as she was getting ready for our interview, and Matt Morrow popped by, and he was excited because he said that was the best low vision and development division game he's ever seen. So he was uh, high-fiving, fist-pumping. Uh, the whole nine yards. He was uh, ecstatic about the way that uh, 
everybody played in that division. I could, I, I think all of us would agree that they played outstanding. Uh, you could really tell from game one on Friday to now there has been a huge improvement with them. Uh, so they should all be very proud of themselves as they've all done an incredible job. And Amanda uh, obviously uh, spoke to that as well. So uh, congratulations to that division. They uh, they really deserve it. They, uh, they're they all on their, on their way up, that's for sure. So I just wanted to get a props out for that. But in terms of this game, I think Team Yellow, uh, we saw Vince Ryan walk up here. He was looking pretty dapper yeah. uh, with his suit. So he was taking things pretty seriously. So, you know, I know uh, this is just the bronze medal game, and I know it's not just the bronze medal game. I know these guys definitely want to take home that hardware, but... Uh, with Vince Ryan walking in with that type of suit, you got to think that these guys are taking things pretty seriously, and they're actually the only team on the ice right now. Team Yellow is uh, looks like they're already on the ice, getting a team picture, getting ready for this game. Meanwhile, Team Red has yet to uh, emerge from their change room. So, um, but in terms of actual gameplay, I think Team Yellow's got a good shot here. They've got some good speed, and I know uh, again Vince and uh, Mark Demontis of Team Black sort of have a uh, friendly wager type thing going on here where uh, if one scores, they sort of dog the other to see if they can, you know, monkey see, monkey do. So it should be a good game to see from uh, both sides. But uh, uh, that bronze medal, I mean, it is a bronze medal, but you obviously want to leave home uh, or go home with something rather than nothing. So that should be a good one to hear uh, here to see. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I think that... Uh you know, Team Yellow really had some tough luck in their first game, you know, losing in the last minute. If if things went different for them, they could be in a different position. So I expect them to come out and uh, do their thing, and hopefully uh, Red gives them a game here. Gentlemen, are we seeing a... Uh, a, a just some sort of a trick from Team Red not showing up here right now. There might be some sort of protest or, yeah, maybe some trickery going on here. Maybe uh, uh, Not at all, you probably, you know. At the end of the day, the coach is doing a huge pep talk, and that's why they're not coming out yet. They're not done their pep talk, and they'll be out when they're ready to come out. It Pucks in deep. That's the coach's talk right now. <laughs> it seems like Team Yellow is maybe more the looser of the bunch coming out, taking a couple of photos. But, yeah, Team Red still in their change room, maybe getting that huge pep talk. I think I see a red couple of red jerseys coming yeah, out now. Come. So it looks like they have uh, finished their pep talks. and. They're serious. They've got their helmets on. They're coming out, oh marching all the way out. Look at this. They're ready probably to go. In, probably in alphabetical order, <laughs> getting ready for the anthems. You know, they're getting, <laughs> they're they're coming out. They mean business. So it should be a good one here to see. And maybe this was strategy. They wanted to be the last yeah. team on the ice. They wanted, well, yeah. and, and it allows them to maybe uh, throw a little uh, intimidation towards the other side too, right? I mean, coming yeah, out right. as a they're coming just, out as a group, not not sort of filing in one at a time everybody comes out together one team one group and all Unity, the all the rest right? that's exactly what it is they're very professional they had their pep talk by the coach they're coming out here they're doing their warm-ups it's just all very professional and let's get this done Maybe I like it. I like it a lot. I noticed that uh, Aaron Preville was the uh, the first one on there for Team Red, and uh, <laughs> I, I know that uh, speaking from experience playing sledge hockey, I'm uh, as a goaltender never the first one on, always the last one on, and. Uh, I have to point out that it looks like uh, a, a Jimmy Fotak on Team Yellow is trying to psych out Team Red. He just went on to their side and started skating around. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's a little <laughs> bit of mind games going on around here. I don't know. But 
Uh, these these guys mean business. Now it looks like Team Red, maybe a little bit more looser now. They're coming out. They're taking a picture just in front of their bench. But uh, I don't know. Mind games. Do you guys believe in this type of stuff? Are you guys superstitious at all when it comes to hockey or playing any type of uh, sport? Oh, Brett plays mind games all of the time. I don't even need to play a sport to play mind games, Jeff. <laughs> he does it all the time, and that's part of the game. You want to be able to get under a person's skin or get them thinking about it because even that little bit of doubt, especially when you're goalie, if you trip that, oh, your glove hand's not that good, if you have that second where you're thinking, oh, my glove hand's not that good and the puck's coming, that second can mean the puck going in the net and not going in the net. So mind games that's what part of the game is all about as well i know when we tape the neutral zone i'll uh, get in my car after our taping and i'll either call cameron or brock and i'll ask him so do you miss me yet and that that that's part of what my mind games are all about and mike i want to go to you because i know before live from studio fives you usually have uh, a couple of water bottles full of mio is that superstitious or no, it's just at all, or is that just routine? No, it's just I don't like the taste of plain bottled water, <laughs> and I've just gotten into. I tell you when those when Mio first came out, and they had the commercials, and it was the guy who was like he'd say, squirt a little or squirt a lot. I kind of thought that's weird. It's just a weird product. <laughs> it it's a weird tagline, and yet now, like I just came back from the U.S. where they've got easily half a dozen flavors that we don't sell in Canada. I dropped like 150 bucks on Mio. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm, and then I'm loaded for like six months, but I don't drink a lot of pop. So I drink, I take carbonated water and I flavor it with Mio. So no, it's not superstition. It's just I talk for three and a half hours a day and I don't want to be parched. So how do you stay well, uh, well hydrated? Drink a lot of water. 2018 Canadian National Blind Hockey Championship, now sponsored by Mio. I'm just getting word, breaking news. Uh, my, my, my point was, Mike, before before we got on the topic of Mio, are you superstitious at all? Do you believe in any sort of superstition uh, at all, at least in sports? Well, I don't think I necessarily believe it, but I'm the same as a lot of people. You know, when you're watching a game and, I don't know, you're sitting on one end of the couch... And then you move, and your team gets scored against. You kind of think, well, I better not do that again. It's kind of like those Frosted Flakes commercials. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like I really sit there and have these hard, fast rules that I follow. But I'm like everybody else. I think that when something happens like that, you kind of, it does sort of cross your mind. You give it a second thought. No matter how ridiculous it is, I think we still do it. Yeah. Talking about superstition, Jeff. For me, at the um, at any uh, event that I ever participated in, I always listened to "We Will Rock You" as the last song that I came out to on my iPod. So, I'm a big believer in the superstition. For the neutral zone, I just like to get under Brett's skin before the show. So, that's my neutral zone superstition. Cam, any superstitions for you before you get on the airwaves or before you play any sports? Yeah, uh, I played sledge hockey for years, and uh, being on the team, I would always. As kind of the guys were in the dressing room, I just needed to focus by myself. So I always went out, and I would just went in behind the glass, and I always watched uh, anyone that was practicing, or if there was nobody out there, I would just kind of look at the net and envision myself there and just having my quiet time without anybody talking to me. So that was kind of my superstition when I played sledge hockey. So. And for, for me, I'm not really superstitious. However, uh, I never tape my stick 
if I have recorded a point or a win in the game before. If I have zero points and a loss, you can bet yourself that I'm uh, I'm retaping my stick before the next game. But if I have a hat trick and we pull a double, pull out a W, uh, I'm not taping that stick. There was a, <laughs> a couple game stretch where we were on a win streak, and I wasn't I wasn't undoing my tape job and redoing it. So. Uh, it seemed to work until it I think if I ever scored a goal, I'd just retire. Because <laughs> it'll never happen again. So, But you have to get on the ice to play to be able to score a goal, don't you, Rossi? <laughs> don't push it, Cam. Okay. You, it's it's a good it, thing buddy. I'm between you guys now. <laughs> you, you did score a goal in sledge hockey, though, if I remember correctly. I scored a beauty. It was beauty. a beauty. And you know who set him up? Yeah, it was all about the setup. It was all about the setup. So, so was the net empty? <laughs> no. No? No, I beat, oh. the, I beat the goalie. I beat the goalie top shelf, glove side. One timer. He might have given that one. It was a flip. Actually, no. It was actually a great show. <laughs> it was. A... All right, fellas. Thank you very much for uh, the uh, pregame uh, entertainment and analysis. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.